future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're broadcasting live here from Wilmington, Delaware, Cradle Liberty, and we're glad to have our esteemed guest, Mr. Ray Ellis, Director of Sports for Voice America. Firstly, uh, Ray, we want to congratulate you on the relocation to your new digs over there in Phoenix, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. On our show, we're going to be, uh, the next segment, we're going to be talking about concussion, some of the NFL initiatives, as well as some discussion about taking care of the retired players. And at the end, we're going to go through some of last week's games, certainly uh, some highs and lows, as we tend to do. But we're going to start now by welcoming Ray Ellis to the show. Ray, welcome to the show. Hey, Doc. It's a pleasure as always. I'm out here, of course, in uh, in the Valley and uh, in, enjoying this weather out there. But uh, I'll tell you what, it appears that there's a there's a few other things out there that are broken uh, in in the city of brotherly love besides uh, hearts and plays. It appears that I guess Mike's got a few broken ribs out there, huh? Yeah, that's that's the news that came out today that uh, Michael Vick has two lower broken ribs, and it was interesting that he broke them on the second play of the game, and apparently, according to his interview, uh, he basically stated that he had he ran on adrenaline didn't report it to anybody at all. And, in fact, I was listening to Brett Selleck actually do a few interviews. And Brett said in the huddle that Mike is such a stoic guy that he, didn't, he couldn't even tell. There wasn't even a change in demeanor in Michael Vick. But in watching the game, uncharacteristically, Mike, you know, particularly threw high on a number of occasions where he normally has pinpoint accuracy. So it really calls into question – you know, the stoicism of the athlete, whether whether he should play through that pain whether or, or not. And certainly, Ray, as, as one who played in the NFL in a, in a very physical role as a, as a safety, uh, you yourself probably played through a lot of injuries. And uh, what are your thoughts on, on this whole story? Well, you know, and, and you're right about that, Doc. You know, football is a game of which, you know, toughness is extremely important. Uh, when it comes to uh, you know your contributions to the game, you people expect you to suck it up and go, as we always say. But but for me, I, I think in today's generation of athletes, I think it's just so much more important 
uh, that they report the injuries and that they're they're, they're able to get a, a, a true sense of uh, being diagnosed from the sideline, from the medical people that are there, and, and allow those people to make those decisions instead of players uh, for whatever fear it might be. You know, Mike has a lot of things that he's dealing with. You know, he's dealing with still trying to be, uh, you know, accepted by the city of brotherly love because of uh, some some past uh, uh, situations that he's dealt with off the field. Of course, we all know what they are. Uh, you know, so he's still trying to, to win fan support, and, and he's probably trying harder. I, I'm probably thinking that if, if Mike didn't have the kind of baggage that he has, uh, that he may have let the team know that indeed his ribs got banged up and, and he might have come out. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you get the extra pressure from the fans for a reason other than your football playing ability. You know, you get the pressure from you don't want to come out because there's a guy behind you who, who could perhaps maybe step in and take your job. I don't think that would happen with Mike Vick. Uh, but, but you also, uh, you know, you get the thing of, you know, I got to suck it up and be tough to play this game of football. And and a guy who's been there and done that and been off the field and, and looking back on it, the most important thing is a person's health. Now, for, for, for you, I like to ask, you know, broken ribs, how much, you know, long-term damage could he do to himself by playing football and having two, I'm sorry, no more 200, yeah, 200-pound 200 defensive backs, but 300-pound men, falling on him how much damage could he have done or could he may have done to himself well he he could have done a lot of damage uh, we look back at tony romo who also had broken ribs and the problem is when the ribs fracture that you know these are sharp these are sharp objects they have a ten, they have a tendency to puncture the lung which is right underneath <sighs> so there's two conditions that could arise medically right one of them is called a pneumothorax which is when the lung actually drops. And number one, if, if a lung, you know, when the lung de- deflates essentially, the person has difficulty getting air in their lungs. And if one is exerting himself as they do in professional football, one could uh, certainly develop, you know, problems with, with oxygen, hy- hypoxemia, which is low oxygen. And even worse than that, the chest cavity could fill up with blood, which is called a hemothorax. So, Interestingly, Tony Romo actually had a small pneumothorax. He had a small drop lung, if, and he was lucky too because he played he played through that same situation. So both of these players were lucky. The treatment for um, a medium-sized dropped lung actually involves going to the hospital and actually putting something called a chest tube in, which is very painful. That involves actually putting a, a tube, you know, a, a needle in a tube in the lung and actually vacuuming out and reinflating the lung. And you could imagine when we're dealing with the thorax and the chest cavity, that this is, uh, you know, this is some serious stuff. So number one, uh, it's unclear. I mean, Mike, Mike gets bagged up a lot at the end of, of last week's game against the bears. I was, I was in attendance for that game. He really, you know, his, his lower leg got pretty banged up, but he was limping. A lot of people said, you know, why didn't he run at the end of the game? But, if, you know, if I was sitting right off the field. I mean, he was limping noticeably. And so I think he's used, in some ways, he's just used to getting nicked up. And he may not, like you say, he, he may not know what's, what's, a, what's a bruise and what's, what is a fracture. But in any event, you know, he certainly was sore today. And it looks like the early reports out of Philadelphia are that Vince Young will be starting the game against the Giants, you know, which will be 820 in prime time. And, uh, 
It's, a, it's very unfortunate for Michael. He's, he's been nicked up a lot this year. We've talked about his, uh, you know, what we thought was a head fracture. It turned out to be a bruise. And, uh, you know, he, he's, not, he's not a big man. And he's up against, you know, guys that are moving quickly. I, I was, you know, I'd be very concerned about playing him with a rib fracture. There are, there are certain quarterbacks after a week or two could go out and they could wear a big, a big flak jacket. Uh, we remember Dan Marino used to play with that all the time. Roethlisberger seems like, again, he broke, he broke his thumb, but he's going to play. He's, he's a very big man and a warrior. That, that's also news today. Roethlisberger broke his thumb. Uh, we know Schaub is out with a Liz Frank fracture. So it just seems like the slew of quarterbacks are going down. And despite all the efforts of the league to try to make it safe and to, to limit the head injuries, um, you can see that, that, that you look at the, the Texans, they're in first place. Without Matt Schaub, you know, what are their chances? You know, I, I don't think they're going to do very well. Well, you know, speaking of that, uh, believe it or not, there are some people out there saying that the Texans should consider, instead of starting uh, Matt Liner, they should consider bringing Brett Favre back to the team. Uh, or to the team, not back to the team, but to the team. And, and I'm not so sure that I agree with that. That's certain in terms of the psyche. Uh, Matt Liner's got to feel like, okay, I need to retire because if they're talking about bringing a person out of retirement uh, to take my position, I've been here for all this time with this team and, and waiting for an opportunity to play, then maybe they don't think much of him. But let, let's go back. You mentioned about the flap jacket. That, that was something, of course, that was big in the generation of, of, that I played in. Uh, is that something that you would recommend that possibly Mike could wear uh, that would do not do much damage to him? It would protect him and eliminate a lot of damage perhaps maybe uh, he would take in, in playing in a ball game. Well, my concern right now, as far as I know, from what I've read about Mike's, and again, this, this is all, that's the nice thing about our show. It's all breaking news. My understanding is that they're non-displaced rib fractures, okay? So if there were displaced rib fractures, or comminuted fractures, which is less, frankly, much less likely, there, there would be a chance of, of worsening the injury. But the fact of the matter is broken ribs are very painful. And, and, and Mike is in a lot of pain. Right now the adrenaline is, is gone. And I, I, I think it, it's really a matter of his pain tolerance. And, and I'm just not sure that he could be effective less than one week after two broken ribs. So I think he could, in theory, wear the jacket. He probably will in the, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, uh, it, it depends on how he is. Uh, but I, I just don't, I think that the pain, it has to do with pain control. And I think they're going to be treated with anti-inflammatories, possibly some analgesics. And, um, and, and from a compassion standpoint, uh, also looking at that front for the Giants. You know, looking at O.C., uh, looking at Justin Tuck, looking at their linebackers, um, you know, I, I'd be really hesitant to put Michael back in with, you know, less than one week after broken ribs. Yeah, he could do it. I, I, I really believe the season is effectively over at this point. I mean, they're not going to – they'd have to literally run the table and not lose a game. And uh, if this was the playoffs, maybe. But looking at all the circumstances, uh, my sense is they're, they're not going to play Mike. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think what's going to happen is Vince Young is going to get a chance to play. I think Vince needs this game to play because, of course, we know the last time we saw him was in the Redskins game. We know what happened then. But certainly I think it would give Mike Vick a chance to heal, uh, certainly recover, uh, won't take a beating this weekend. And, and I think everybody's pretty comfortable. Yeah, Vince Young is a good backup for this team, but the quarterback of this team is Michael Vick. 
and 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 Vince Young is there to you know as an additional threat that perhaps maybe if something happens and Mike goes down, you know he could pick it up. But I think he needs to get some reps in the event that that Mike does get hurt uh, to the point where he can't play. Uh, but one thing that we know about players uh, like Michael Vick, uh, they tend to get a label attached to them. And that is that they're injury prone. And, and it, you know, you can look back at how many seasons was Mike able to play, uh, and, and finish without missing the games or, or being injured to the fact that somebody had to the point where somebody had to come in for him. So Mike is one of those guys that might be labeled as injury prone. He's a tough man, but he's not a real big man in terms of his, uh, his size and stature. Certainly not that of uh, Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady and those, the big guys. Yeah, I would say, uh, it also, the way he plays, you know, he just this year learned, I've seen him slide a few times, but before that, <laughs> uh, the man never slid. He's a slender guy, and he's up against, you know, really big guys. And uh, the way, you know, I think that his, his position as starter will not be in jeopardy. But uh, in any event, as always, this first segment flew by. I wanted to thank Ray Ellis for being our guest. Thank you, Doc. I want to... Uh, I want to also have you guys stay tuned. A really interesting segment on concussions coming up in segment two. Then we'll do NFL Roundup with our guest analyst, Spencer the Wizard. And, uh, Ray, thank you so much for joining us today. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you in three. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, Back to the show. Welcome to the second edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a practicing neurologist and sports medicine doctor in Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware. Should you or, or somebody you care about require a consultation, please call 610-521-6063. This week marks a sentinel moment in the NFL concussion saga. After the hearings, the media attention, 
more than 125 former pro football players are suing the NFL, and as well as helmet maker Rydell, in at least five complaints brought in state or federal courts. This was as of October 20th, 2011. So it's the first time the players are banded together, and their position is that the NFL should have done more to warn the players about the dangers of head injuries and also to help retired players and those who are at risk of developing chronic traumatic encephalopathy or those players who actually have signs of CTE. In prior shows, we talked about CTE, which we believe to be a pathologically defined situation where various athletes, particularly boxers and football players, develop findings very similar to Alzheimer's disease in their brain, and it causes them to have accelerated dementia, emotional problems, and often to take their own lives. We tributized Dave Dorson of the Chicago Bears, who was a very brave individual who believed he had CTE, which was later confirmed and essentially committed suicide in order to allow his brain to be studied at Boston University. So now we move to the next phase, litigation. And we'll try to bring you an update as to how that is going. Two of the lawyers representing the players are Richard Lewis and Thomas Girardi. So we would ask Mr. Girardi, what are the goals of this litigation? What are you trying to accomplish by suing the helmet maker in the NFL? The first goal was to make necessary changes so that the other, that is the current players, don't go the same way. The second is to set up a medical process so that those people who are suffering from head injuries have medical attention for the injury as long as they need it. And again, as we've explained about CTE, this is often, the onset of these symptoms is often five to ten years after retirement. So if you're looking at the current players, they're not demonstrating the problems with memory, slurred speech, movement disorders. And so it's really a sticky wicket. So they're trying to establish this connection. The second goal is to set up a medical process. The third is because these are really work-related brain injuries, patients who, or I should say players, who gave themselves to the league, who sacrificed their brains literally in order to play football, should be compensated, that is, paid, just like any other type of person who's injured in the context of work. And some of the people who are unable to work because of the inability to think and understand current concepts, that is, those who are experiencing dementia, and again, some current players, Terry Bradshaw, Jim McMahon, two very famous Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, have acknowledged how they're having memory loss, uh, forgetfulness, and others who are not so well-known are also experiencing symptoms of CTE. So I've told you the stance of these players and their lawyers Let's talk about the NFL stance as outlined by their counsel, Brad Karp. And the NFL is focusing 
on other on, on other issues. They're basically trying to defend themselves against present and future litigation. And I guess they're, they're also trying to hold the fort with respect to compensation to retired players. So how does the NFL defend themselves? How do they try to refute that playing pro football carries with it a risk of irreversible dementia, brain damage, psychological problems, disability, and a shortened lifespan? Well, number one, their position is that the players knew there were risks of injury when they decided to play football. They knew that there was a chance that it was a contact sport. They had heard about people suffering from dingers and head injuries, and they also knew that they'd be well compensated as professionals. The second issue in defense by Brad Karp is that there is no misconduct or liability. When they say misconduct, that the NFL didn't set anything up to purposefully cause these brain injuries, and therefore, as far as liability, which means responsibility, they're saying that the league itself isn't responsible. They're also trying to not allow for a class action, which is a bulk action, which could obviously cost a lot of money exponentially, particularly in a losing setting. And the NFL is trying to fractionate or break up these cases to individual cases so that they'll only they'll be able to deal with the better as individuals. Also, when a lot of players are represented by attorneys, there's something called economy of scale, which means that they could be concisely represented by a few attorneys, whereas if they have to litigate each individual case, it's, it's a lot more manpower, a lot more difficult for the players to acquire that type of representation. So also in the, do, using arbitration uh, as opposed to jury trials, that may put somewhat of a ceiling on the liability of the league. Speaking of Jim McMahon, he is included in the complaint filed in Pennsylvania. There's also a response from Rydell, the Helmet Corporation. And essentially their response is saying no comment. And that when there is pending litigation, when there are lawsuits, the company is not going to go out and uh, flag its case to the public you know, for this type of interview. They also point to an NFL scheme to essentially uh, deceive Congress, the players, and the public. And this had to do with the Mild Traumatic Brain Injury Committee, committee set up in 1994. There were actually doctors who came out and who were representing the league that stated that there was no risk for traumatic brain injury uh, with respect to playing football. So they're using some of the, that earlier material which was uh, dating back to 1994, to show that there was a purposeful, uh, you know, attempt to deceive by the NFL. The plaintiffs are seeking judgments in the millions of dollars. But as with many lawsuits, the actual numbers are not open to the public, and therefore I can't share them with you. This may take years to be resolved. But they're drawing a line in the sand. The, the former players, the NFL, 
and this looks like something that's going to bear watching. So, well, my role as a neurologist is to I- explain to you exactly what a brain injury is and current treatments. It's important to realize that this is not in a vacuum. In our society, patients, players <clears throat> are entitled to have their rights protected, particularly retired players such as those, such as Andre Waters, such as Dave Dewerson, and those players who essentially died prematurely with severe brain damage due to their plague days in the NFL, due to the cumulative effect of concussions and head injuries. As your host, I've tried to read as much as I can about the law, the lawsuits themselves. And I refer you to a, uh, a website from the Charbonnet Law Firm, which outlines some additional information that I want to share with you. Not only the football players, but also some of the wives have filed the lawsuit against the NFL. The claim is that the league would train and teach players to purposefully hit someone with their head while playing and would not properly treat them for concussions. One of the plaintiffs is former Falcons and San Francisco 49er player Wayne Radloff, R-A-D-L-O-F-F, who was knocked out cold in the 1980s and now suffers from dementia. He's thought to have chronic traumatic encephalopathy, but the only way to prove that is with uh, brain sectioning. So something will, will, will cannot be done during life. And the wife said... It's a brutal way to see somebody die and to live with it daily at ups and downs. Her hope is that being part of the lawsuit will enable others who are also suffering. So this year, it's the first time players have joined together and have tried to form a class action. The primary focus of the class action is the need for an establishment of a medical monitoring fund, not only for active players, but also for retired players, for diagnostic testing and treatment, and to also document and treat such of the symptoms, such as memory loss, walking around in a fog, impulsive anger, and confusion. Those same symptoms that were noted by Dave Dorson were recognized by him and which inevitably led him to take his own life. So while this is a sports medicine program, the issue of concussion and brain injury remains the most active and fast-moving topic that we deal with from week to week. Please stay tuned for segments three and four, what I think will be humbly riveting analysis of week 10 of the NFL as well as a look ahead to which teams will be moving into the playoffs and which teams are underachievers. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in three. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. 
serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you are listening to bruce the sports doc with dr bruce grossinger if you have a question or comment about today's program please call in at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the third segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're recapping the week of the NFL, Sunday, November 13th. We're here again, as usual, with our guest analyst, Spencer Wizzy Spizzy Wizard. And what a week we had. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Bruce, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, late Sunday night talking uh, NFL football. We had a very exciting Sunday um, here, November 13th, 2011. It was a great week of football, and um, let's get to it. Well, we always say that Seattle tends to win, win big games at home. But very few away. Very exciting game today. Seattle, topic Baltimore, 22-17. to 17. What are your thoughts? I'm actually pretty surprised at this, at this game and at this outcome, probably like most of America. Um, you know, I watched a great Baltimore Steelers Sunday night game last week, and Baltimore came up with a clutch touchdown at the end to Torrey Smith, which really showed Joe Flacco being clutch at the end of the game, and I think taking the next step. Because that showed that Baltimore swept their arch-rival Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh has had their number in the past four years. So for Joe Flacco and Baltimore to take that step, I thought they would carry this momentum through to Quest Field up in Seattle. Now, I know Seattle's located in the Northwest. And I know that it's always a schlep for teams to get to Seattle um, and play. And they, and they usually sometimes have a case of jet lag. Um, and Seattle fans are great, passionate fans um so 
I was still surprised, though, that Baltimore couldn't pull this out and roll with this one. Um, a big storyline today was Marshawn Lynch on the ground versus the Ravens defense. He had a monster game today. And uh, Marshawn Lynch this year has been pretty inconsistent. Most experts thought he would have a better year, but he's really had a couple nice games, and today was one of them. And an, and against an unlikely source, the Ravens defense. So pretty much a big disappointment for the Ravens. Um, they have Cincinnati and Pittsburgh in the division. you got to beat a team in the NFC West like Seattle. I don't care if it's on the road. you got to win that game. So a big letdown, and the offense wasn't very good today. So surprising loss for Baltimore. Again, a game with a franchise record. Five field goals from Steven Hauska. Only one touchdown, Marshawn Lynch, as you said. First time he went over 100 yards in his career. And um, certainly Tavares Jackson, who's also been very consistent, uh, played well, orchestrated a final drive. And so there it was, Seattle topping the Ravens. Another game, one of the uh, excited games out there was uh, Chicago beating Detroit. Uh, watching the Eagles falter, it was really difficult to determine last week whether it was just the Eagles folding or Chicago was really gaining momentum. But today, looking at the game, Chicago with a decisive win at home, beating the Detroit Lions, who are starting to fade over time. And the final score was 37-13. to Bears, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts on this game are the Lions are a pretty young team and an inexperienced team at that. They kind of remind me of the Buffalo Bills. The Lions and the Bills both start out really hot out of the gate. And with this lockout, a lot of teams were struggling. So it gave young teams some confidence. And um, you look at the Lions, they got off to the 5-0 and start. Um, the competition that the Lions played in the first five games – was was decent competition, and they did make some great comebacks like at Dallas earlier in the year, but they have been on a little bit of a decline, and their offense hasn't really been as potent. Um, you look at Matt Stafford, um, he's been a little worn down lately in the last couple of weeks. He's been taking a lot of shots. And Javid Best, we haven't heard his name, but he was huge during the 5-0 and run. You gotta, you can't just have Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford and Pettigrew. You gotta have some kind of running game with Javid Best. So he is really the X factor, you know. When, um, we go back to that game, um, versus Chicago on Monday Night Football, Javid Best broke out for a 90-yard touchdown run, and he really is the X factor of this offense. Um, my other point is that Chicago it is really gaining steam, and they are really rolling the tide forward. Um, they are People forget this, but Chicago um, is for real. Jay Cutler can play football. He has a great arm, and I know that people are going to remember him for last year sitting out the NFC Championship, but he has one of the strongest arms in the game. Um, Mike Martz is an offensive genius as a coordinator. Matt Forte is a great running back, but today Jay Cutler was executing on third downs again. Um, Jay Cutler, um, very strong arm. And, and the Bears... They got to the NFC Championship last year, so they definitely have 
They definitely have experience. Their defense was huge today. Um, Charles Tillman interception, Matt Stafford all over the place today. Chicago dominated Stafford. He threw a pick six. So their defense, they have experience on their side. And I think that these Bears are going to fly past the Lions in the weeks to come. These, this is a great example of teams that are going in opposite directions. Again, we need to mention the excellence of Devin Hester. He ran a punt return back 82 yards. Therefore, his NFL leading punt return records for touchdowns is 12. He had another 29-yard return, setting up a Robbie Gold field goal. So the Bears jumped out to a 20-0 lead. Their defense is stout, Julius Peppers, as well as, of course, Brian Urlacher. So we look at teams on the rise. We certainly have to circle the Chicago Bears. Next, we look at a game with a controversial ending. We look at a close game between rivals, the New Orleans Saints upsetting the Atlanta Falcons at home, and their sub-decision about a fourth down play by Coach Mike Smith. What's your analysis? My opinion on the fourth down play, for, for viewers that didn't see the game, uh, 23 all in overtime, Atlanta had the ball um, at their own 30-yard line, um, fourth and one. I think that the obvious call in this situation is to kick it away and play some defense. You're in the dome. You can punt the ball like 50 yards down there and make New Orleans take the ball back at their own territory around their own 30-yard line, and you make Drew Brees have to pick up 50 more yards to get into field goal range um, for their kicker, John Casey, who's actually one of the older kickers in the game. So that that's what I think you have to do. And the, um, the Falcons, to get back in the game, they had momentum. They overcame a 10-point deficit late um, to take this game to overtime. I think that the clear call is to definitely punt it because you look at the pros and cons. The pros is you get a first down, you're still at your 30-yard line or 31-yard line, and I know you get another series of downs and you could drive down and you get better field position, but the cons outweigh the pros in this situation. If you fail which they eventually did, you're pretty much handing New Orleans the game because then John they ran a couple running plays and John Casey then hit a 35-yarder to seal the game. So um, they took the game in their hands, and I think it was a no-brainer to punt the football. It's a rare call to go for it on fourth and one. Very ballsy call by... Um, by Mike Smith, but uh, you know I totally disagree. The the cons outweigh the pros, in my opinion. The game of the week did it disappoint? Back and forth action. San Francisco appears appears to be for real, beating the New York Football Giants twenty seven to twenty. Again, there were times where the Giants looked like they were climbing back into the game. San Francisco. I think illustrates the point that a great coach can make a big difference. Really turned the whole team around. Certainly Alex Smith looking confident, throwing tight spirals, and with uh, an excellent running game and a big defense. You look at Eli Manning had a lot of good throws today, but it just wasn't enough. How would you break down the Giants' against San Francisco. 
Okay. Um, John Harbaugh is my vote for coach of the year. Um, Jim Harbaugh. J- Jim Harbaugh. I apologize. I sometimes get the brothers confused. Naturally. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh um, is is my coach of the year. He's just so passionate on these sidelines. This is his first year in the NFL coming from Stanford. You see guys like Lane Kiffin, even Nick Saban on the Miami Dolphins. You see guys from college. They don't usually have this kind of success when they come to the pros. But um, Jim Jim Harbaugh um, is my pick of coach of the year. He's so passionate. All the guys on the San Francisco team respond to him. They pretty much have the same group of guys as last year, but they have an improved offensive line, and um, and it's just pretty much the confidence that the coach um, shares with his players. He's such a passionate guy. He gets so excited and emotional when he's when his players do well, and he so and he runs such a tight ship um, in San Francisco. Um, their defense, they're just so hungry. He just really motivates his players. He's so focused on every play. And San Francisco's outwilling football teams. They come back to win games like at Detroit and at Philadelphia with, with clutch drives at the end of the game. And um, an impact player on San Francisco is Alex Smith. So far, Alex Smith, first first pick in the draft out of Utah, the same year that Aaron Rodgers was famously picked 25th by the Green Bay Packers, and look where he is today. Alex Smith has always gotten compared to Aaron Rodgers, and he really hasn't lived up to the hype. But to be fair to Alex Smith, he's every year he's had a new offensive coordinator, and he really hasn't gotten into a system that he actually enjoys. Jim Harbaugh played as a professional quarterback. This guy knows the position, and Alex Smith has all the confidence in the world in his coach and same with Jim Harbaugh um, with Alex Smith saying Alex Smith is one of the elite quarterbacks um, in this league and um, Alex Smith just looks really poised in the system he looks totally comfortable with the plays that are being called for him Um, quick reads gets the ball out of his hand quickly and um, Alex Smith with an offensive line that's improved. He just looks like he's really in control of the offense. He's had some experience. He's my comeback player of the year. He just is not making mistakes. And today with Frank Gore out, he carried this team just converting on third down after third down. So Smith with a very impressive game. And um, and for the Giants, um, you look at you looked at their schedule. They got the New England win last week, which was huge. You knew that they were going to slip up somehow, but now they're at six and three um, in the NFC East, where Dallas is climbing back. And the NFC is not a weak is, it's not a weak um, season for this conference. New York is famous in the past couple years under Coughlin to slip up during the second half and miss out on the playoffs. Right now they're six and three. They're in good position. They're doing better than all experts have have predicted at the beginning of the season. But they got Philly coming into their house and they got to hold serve there and they got to keep this train rolling because they can't afford to slip up too many games. Well, this ends this segment of Brewster Sports Talk. We'll see you in three minutes for segment four where again, we'll do an NFL wrap-up, and we'll talk about some of the more compelling games of the day.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a neurologist and sports medicine expert in Philadelphia and Delaware. And what we try to do on the show is to balance a discussion about sports medicine as well as talking about current events and opinions. We started today's show with our illustrious sports director of Voice America Sports, Mr. Ray Ellis, strong safety of the Philadelphia Eagles, talking about opinions and review. And we're going to finish up with a weekend review, NFL style. We're here with Spencer Grossinger, who is our analyst for the NFL. And we want to talk about a very compelling game. I can't recall a game where a team with two completed passes actually won the game. But today, by design, you have the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow, 3-1 and one since taking the starter's role at quarterback, beating the Kansas City Chiefs 17-10. to 10. And, of course, there was one highlight in the game, and that is when the former Heisman Trophy winner, Threw the ball to Eric Decker in stride, 56-yard touchdown pass. Spencer, what are your thoughts on Tebow mania? Well, I knew watching this game and, and the results of this game that this would draw up a great conversation and a lot of controversy. Um, people can look at this either way. S- some people that are known actually as Tebow haters – um, or some that just have strong opinions about Tebow will look at the number two in two completions out of eight passes today, which, which of course, um, as you heard from Bruce, is unheard of. Um, now, the Broncos 
play design and play calling is pr- they pretty much run an option. And at Florida, they kind of ran the option, and they also run plays where it's a um, it's it's um, it's a play where Tebow gets the ball out of the shotgun, and he can it's a it's either it's called a run design where they, he can either hand the ball off to the running back or tuck it and keep it himself. Um, that's what Denver's running most of the time. And I've watched, I watched the whole game today. I watched the Denver Kansas City whole game. And Tebow, when it's third and long, is usually not very good. And he is very unpolished in the passing game. Um, even though he had one beautiful moon ball, which propelled his team onto victory, he's still very unpolished as a passer. Running the option, he is comfortable. He's very athletic for a quarterback. And everyone knows that he can run the football. Now, Kansas City had a weak D-line today and the Denver offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage and basically they were picking up chunks of yardage like six yards a carry by running the ball and basically they won today's game by just stuffing the ball and Kansas City literally could not stop the run so if something ain't broke don't change it that's kind of the main motto in today's game. And Tebow, my my main number is not two, but three. Three and one as a starter this year. Um, you know, you look at Orton. It, you know, if Orton got more wins, you know, this team, the Broncos could actually be in the AFC West lead. Tebow put them right back in the thick of things. Um, big game coming up first against the Jets. I know the Jets won't allow Denver to run all over them. Um, but right now, Tebow's winning games, and that's what he signed up to do um, in this league. Well, we come to not only the most disappointing and surprising team in the NFL, but frankly, in all of sports, the Philadelphia Eagles, who lit up the free agent market with signings, including Namdi Asamoah as well as Ronnie Brown, inexplicably blew a a record fifth, fourth quarter lead and moved to three and six, virtually, in my view, placing them completely out of the playoff discussion. Uh, You look at John Skelton, who ran the team very ably, and it may be that the Arizona Cardinals actually have a quarterback controversy. As Kevin Cobb is rehabilitating his turf toe, Skelton looked in the beginning a little bit shaky, but according to coach Ken Wisenhunt, he, he made a very interesting quote. He said, we haven't won on the heat on the East Coast in forever. So sure, the Cardinals are much like the Seattle team, a very good home team, but this was a huge win for the Cardinals and a backbreaking loss for the Eagles. Michael Vick looked extremely off, missing wide-open receivers throughout the game, throwing interceptions, just looking off. And it's remarkable how he could look all-world in the in the Dallas Cowboys game and could look so lost today. He didn't apparently have any injuries, but you look at the defense of the Eagles. You look at the wide nine. You look at how they got gouged with the run. You look at Larry Fitzgerald with two touchdown catches, and you look at blown tackles, and Juan Castillo has to go. The only time in history, including Pee Wee football, where you have somebody who is an offensive line coach being promoted to defensive coordinator. 
And the fact that you have a shutdown press quarterback in Namdi Asadwa, who's not covering Fitzgerald, is just without question uh, unexplainable. And certainly here in Philadelphia, uh, looking and listening to a lot of the postgame wrap-ups, um, just a lot of people calling for Andy Reid's head at this point. The team looks like they've quit on Reid, totally disorganized. This was one of the quietest locker rooms ever after the Cardinals game. Again, this was a game where St. Louis comes in 2-6 and six with a backup quarterback, and they end up beating Philadelphia on a fourth-quarter comeback. The problem, I believe, with the Philadelphia Eagles this year is everyone looked at them and said, wow, they have loads of talent. Look at all these free agent signings that Joe Banner has put together in front of them and that they were just going to magically gel into one cohesive unit and they would become one group of men and together will become family. You look at two football teams. You look at San Francisco and the New York football giants. You look at their offense. You look at guys like Michael Crabtree, Victor Cruz, Jake Ballard on the Giants and the Eagles they have Jeremy Macklin who's a great wide receiver one of the best you know in the game um, as a youngster um, an up-and-comer definitely Deshaun Jackson and then in their own backfield they have Shady McCoy uh, um, who's arguably one of the top three running backs in the National Football League they got all these cornerbacks Ashamwa, um, Rogers Cromartie Dominique Rogers Cromartie the problem is is their chemistry and you have to look up to the coaches first you have to look at Andy Reid. This team is not run properly. And clearly, it's a bunch of individuals. Deshaun Jackson not showing up for practice and being benched was a huge loss. You look at the heart of this team. Today was a must-win game versus Arizona. And this has to be a statement win. You're coming in with a backup quarterback, John Skelton. And no offense to John Skelton, but he, he ain't going to light the world on fire. Um, he, he even gave the Eagles a lot of gifts today. He gave the gift to Namni Ashamwa, which I thought would be the game changer. I thought they would go in and score. But real quick, you look at Michael Vick. He's got to show more heart out there. The offense was just pitiful versus a horrible Arizona defense, 27th ranked defense in the National Football League. The defense... They gave up too many big plays, and Lyre Fitzgerald was a beast, but the offense could barely hold on to the rock. I mean, when the defense got the ball back for the offense, just such an ugly game for Philadelphia. The problem is chemistry and the way that the coaches put together these players. Um, they're not getting along with each other. Um, they do, they're not trusting each other, and this team has no real leaders in the locker room, just a lot of individuals that are calling for the ball and that are complaining. And you look at Andy Reid with this, with this talent and not going to the playoffs probably three and six. The problem was heart. They just didn't, they just didn't have the desire. You look at the Dallas Cowboys game. They showed their full potential. They have lots of talent and they were working together that game. They were motivated. And I wouldn't be surprised if they show a good showing next week at the Meadowlands. They just showed no heart and, um, just an embarrassing loss. But the coaches, the way that this team is put together is the problem. They're not working together. Well, we didn't cover every game today. 
as we don't we, we covered the high the high points, the low points. Looking ahead to week eleven of the NFL, uh, an intriguing matchup at the Mile High Stadium. Denver Broncos and Tebow. Can two completions be enough to beat the New York Jets? I think not. So that's going to be an exciting game, 820 Thursday night. I'm also looking ahead to what I think is one of the marquee games. Unusual to be at 1 o'clock will be Carolina and Cam Newton against the Detroit Lions. Obviously, Carolina has played well, but has a pretty horrible record with a lot of growing pains. Detroit seems to be heading in the wrong direction. I think that's a game that you'll see a lot of fireworks and uh, certainly uh, week 11 should tell the tale as we're clarifying the playoff picture. Again, I wanted to thank Ray Ellis for his guest appearance on the show. I want to thank all the listeners. We were developing a, uh, a very large, loyal group of listeners to Bruce the Sports Talk. I hope you found today entertaining. And most importantly, have a great week, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.